The following is a presentation of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Matt Side. I'm your host, Richard Anderson Mann, and joining me this week as we break down the Yasser Dogu is the web content and social media coordinator at United World Wrestling, Eric Olinowski. Eric, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. All right, so we're not going to waste a lot of time. As usual, we're going to jump right in. Uh, the United States finished up this tournament, one of the premier Uh, international tournaments in preparation for Worlds. They finished with three golds, one silver, and two bronze. And we're going to start with the silver. Uh, Jordan Burroughs reached the finals and set up a rematch with Frank Chimizo of Italy. And it was a back-and-forth match. Uh, Chimizo ended up coming on in the second and ended up winning it on criteria 10-10. to Yeah, I mean, Eric, what are your first takeaways from that match? Completely different from the first one, right? You saw Chimizo come out and pick up a couple of takedowns uh, and the adjustment for Burroughs was that heavy-stepping left foot of Chimizo. Chimizo fakes with that left foot, and Burroughs was just snagging it up with the low single. So uh, immediately out of the gate, I noticed that Burroughs came to be offensive rather than sitting back, um, which, you know, it's it's crazy to say you have one of the best offensive wrestlers in the world taking on one of the best defensive wrestlers in the world. So uh, I'm sure he wanted to put some points on the board early, and really it was, a back-and-forth match, and both guys kind of threw in some of those, which challenges that I didn't think were warranted. Uh, we'll start with the Burroughs one 15 seconds into the bout. Uh, the corner of Burroughs thought he had a takedown, so they challenged 15 seconds into the match, and he was awarded one for the step-out. But you look back and you think, you know, you have all that time to make up the points. Why waste the challenge? And it, it ended up being, you know, Possibly the deciding loser in the match, not having a challenge. Yeah, I think there were some questionable challenges both ways. And, you know, it's, it's one of those matches, and one of the things that's true about international wrestling, and it's, it's sort of unavoidable, is there is a lot of refereeing that factors into the decision. But like I said, I mean, that's kind of unavoidable at this point. From a stylistic perspective, I, you mentioned the fact that Jordan was going after that lead leg. And I, I thought that was an interesting stylistic wrinkle, but I was sort of surprised that. Chimizo sort of got Burroughs out of that with heavy hands. And when he would go down for that low shot and that low ankle, it seemed like Chimizo was able to really put his hands on his upper body and control position, which sort of surprised me, to be honest. Yeah, and that was uh, a lot of talk came from the four-point move from Chimizo's end, and that all stemmed from Jordan Burroughs getting to a shot and Chimizo pulling him up. And, and I mean, always we talk about it with Chimizo, his ability to get reversals in those scrambles. I mean, a lot of times it seemed like every time he gave up two, he was at least able to get one back. Very true. Yeah, and it's almost worth taking the folk style approach. Take him to, If you take him down, it's that big if you take Chimizo down because you don't know if you're going to be able to. But if you do take him down, rather than allowing him to pick up the one for the reversal, just let him go and get back to your because that's what he's looking for. At that point, takedowns are only worth one if he's reversing you every time. So you just let him go, get your two, and be happy with it. Absolutely. I think this is probably almost certainly a match we're going to see again at Worlds. You know, they had the first match at Beat the Streets. Both guys were slip sliding all over the mat. And uh, 
I just wanted to get your opinion on who do you think was hurt more by the slipping in New York? Because when I first watched it, I kind of thought that it was hurting Chimizo more because it sort of got into his footwork and his countering. But watching the second match, I think that Burrow's ability to drive forward and really drive through his shots was really hurt because I think in this match he showed that he was able to take down Chimizo with more consistency than he was in the first. Yeah, that's a good question. I would say it did hurt Burroughs, but when you think about it, uh, I didn't know why, looking back at the Beat the Streets, I didn't know why Chimizo actually took the match because his style is, you know what you're going to get with Jordan Burroughs, right? You're going to get blast doubles straight on. I mean, there's no question about it. You, you know what's coming. You can't stop it. It's been like that since he came on the international scene. But Chimizo, you uh, you're a, how you beat Chimizo is you're going to be how you adjust to his hips and the funkiness of his wrestling throughout the six-minute match. We saw Kitek Zabalov in the European Championships wasn't able to crack the code. That was something that I'm sure in the second match, if he makes the Russian national team, that he'll be better off the second match than he was the first match because you have to learn to adjust to those hits. So I was curious on why Chimizo took the match. But, yeah, I would say, going back to the original question, I think it was Burroughs who hurt more in that first match than anybody else. You know, I'm not sure if you can make a prediction with your position at UWW, but after six minutes twice now, I guess that's 12 minutes between these two, um, who would you favor or who do you think has the edge going into a third match potentially? It's crazy to say that Burroughs lost and he closed the gap, right? Or he, he opened, he extended his gap. Um, I think Chimizo, without that four-point throw, he was he was searching for answers and he couldn't find them. And I, I'll, I'll give the third match to Burroughs, I'll say that, without giving a long answer. But, uh, yeah, I think even though he lost the match, I think he's holding his head high thinking that I feel good going in to the potential third matchup in Budapest. Yeah, I echo a lot of those sentiments in the sense that it, it seems like from watching the second match that even though Chimizo won, he was not going to win without a four. And it seems like going into a match against a guy like Burroughs and knowing you need a four is probably not a recipe for success. But <laughs> No, not yeah. at all. So, but we will see, and that's what's Burroughs great about it. Has been four. Yeah. All right, so we had to hit on Burroughs Chimizo's first because it's two of the best in the world, but... I think from the United States perspective, uh, one of the biggest stories is David Taylor, who ran through the field, picked up four falls, won the gold medal. And, uh, you know, just your immediate reaction to that performance. You know, I was in Krasnyarsk when Taylor made his run at the Ivanya Regan, and it's, it, he, he just looks for falls. And that's not something that you see in international wrestling. It's crazy because the style is, you know, you wait for the first period, more of a feel-out period. And don't waste your energy, stay conservative. Second period, go all out. And that's not David Taylor. David Taylor is 10 points on the board. And once I reach 10, I'm looking for the fall. Uh, he did it at the Uregan, and he did it here to, to think. I just, before you called me, I was reading a tweet from Daniel Cormier. Daniel, Daniel Cormier said, uh, I never picked up eight falls in my entire international career and David Taylor almost did that in a weekend. You guys are some bad dudes. So uh, I'm, I'm happy and for David Taylor, because he's getting a shot to show the world what he has. Uh, 
you know, come Budapest, it's going to be a different story. Those guys are going to know who David Taylor is. You know, he has a target on his back now. As before, he was just looked at as Burrow's backup, right? Right, basically. And, uh, you know, that's another thing I wanted to hit on is I think that it's tough because, yeah, he moved up. And, yeah, Cox, who beat him in the World Team Trials last year, moved out of the weight. But it's hard to not watch the run he's gone on this year and think that he'd be a challenge for anybody, Cox and Burroughs included. And I think that sort of like the fact that the weight class opened up, people are kind of discounting his accomplishments. Yeah, he's, I, I, he's ranked second in the world right now. I'm not sure how many ranking series points he's going to get, but you look at that weight class for the World Championships and you start to think of back to the World Cup in Iran when he stuck Yazdani Chirati. Uh, what is that matchup going to be like? Because when you think of paces to try and keep up with two guys that you don't want to be in a foot race with is Yazdani or David Taylor because those guys have gas tanks that stay on full. And to see them going head-to-head against each other, that's, that's a dream for a writer, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So we can look ahead to the next Olympics and Cox maybe potentially coming back down to 86. I mean, do you think that that's a matchup that favors Taylor at this point? If, if they were, let's say they were to wrestle again today. I think the world championships are going to dictate how David Taylor moves forward. If he gets that gold medal or if he medals at the world championships, it's going to add that burning desire for Tokyo. I think that's what he needs. At this point, it's, it's all questions. What if, what if, what if, what if? And for him to get on that podium and get that taste of a medal, I think it's going to be extremely helpful moving forward to Tokyo. So I'll say if he gets a medal, then he'll make the Olympic team. But if he doesn't, then I think he's just – it's all mental. Um, for him to get over that hump, I think that's what he's going to need. All right, fair enough. And you mentioned the other breakout star of this tournament for the United States, Kyle Dake, who pretty much with the exception of the Uregan this year has been unstoppable. He's hitting big moves. He's pinning guys. Yeah, I mean, it's another tournament where he looked absolutely outstanding. And his quarterfinals about, I I believe it was his first matchup. I don't think he had a first-round matchup, but in the quarterfinals, he did have Jabril Hassanov of Azerbaijan, who was an Olympic bronze medalist and wrestled him at the World Cup, beat him at the World Cup, and comes back and was up big, finds a cradle, and Hasanoff, he knew he couldn't do anything, so picks up the fall over him, and then the run just continued. Uh, but that's another guy that you're, you're seeing really come into his own, and the world's starting to see who Kyle Dake is. I, I, I was looking at his database yesterday for an article I was writing, and it's it's crazy to think that he's only won two international, this was his third international gold medal, won one back in 2014, and then a tournament in the Grand Prix of Spain or Paris in 2017, but his third gold medal, so he's really finding his way as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, sort of echoing what we talked about with Taylor, I mean, this is a guy who it's really great to see get the opportunity with the weight classes open up. And, you know, he just it seems like the sky is the limit at this point. He, and, and the good part about his performance at the Ivan Uregan is 
he wrestled Ahmed Gajimagomedov of Russia in the finals, and he lost. But when you're looking at the top guys in the world, I would say ranking at after this point, if you're ranking those guys one and two, um, you know, he, he had the opportunity to wrestle with the best guy in the world. Uh, Gajimagomedov, I believe, won the European Championships as well uh, in Dagestan. So he has a shot coming up at Russian Nationals this week to make the Russian National team. But um, he's competed with the best, and that's what you want going into the World Championships is that confidence of knowing that, you know, I was right there with the best guys. There's no moral victories in wrestling, but to have the ability to compete with the best guys, that's all you can ask for. Absolutely. And, you know, talk about confidence going into a match. Someone who, you know, really needed a shot of, shot in the arm and I think got it this weekend or this past weekend was Thomas Gilman, who he came on the scene last year with a silver medal at the Worlds. But then this year, you know, he's had some injury issues and didn't really look like himself at the World Cup. And, uh, you know, he's another guy, four straight matches, um, didn't have the pinning and, you know, bonus points, you could say, from an American perspective, uh, that Dake and Taylor did. But, you know, he looked great, and he might not have faced the same competition that he's going to see at a Worlds, but it was good to see him out there and getting to his offense and looking like Thomas Gilman again. Yeah, heavy hands for Thomas Gilman, and uh, I still think that if he wants to compete at that highest level, there's a lot of knock on 57 kilograms last year, right? Uh, coming off an Olympic year, um, and everyone moving up from 57 after the Olympics, that it would be wide open, and he he made the world championship to, or the world finals, took a silver medal, so you can't take anything from him. But it, this year, if he's going to want to turn that silver into gold, I think he still needs to close the distance on his shots. We're still seeing him, you know, even though he hand fights heavy, when he needs a takedown, he still shoots from too far away. Closing that distance is going to be key come October in the World Championships if he's going to want to be some of the top guys at 57. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we've seen, um, you know, whoever ends up being the representative for Japan is going to be a tough hurdle. And, you know, there are other guys out there. But, you know, like I said, I mean, he, he was a guy who was very hesitant in some of his matches earlier this year, and he definitely was able to get to his offense and finish when he had to, I guess, in these matches. But that'll be the story on him going forward for sure. Yeah, and I was watching Mark Perry. Did you see the video that Mark Perry posted of Gilman working out in the parking lot, shadow wrestling? I actually just saw it on my phone like while you were talking. So, yeah, <laughs> that was great. <laughs> Pretty funny. Yeah, Mark, Mark Perry is great. He's always thinking about wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. I think that Mark Perry as an addition to the Hawkeye Wrestling Club is great. I mean, it's a really a feel-good story with a guy who spent some time away from the Hawkeyes and now he's back. And I think you know, them having a dedicated uh, club coach is going to work out for him. And, you know, Gilman's just another example of that. So, yeah, anyway, moving on. Uh, surprise bronze medalist was Kyle Snyder. He lost in the semifinals to Aslan Beck Albarov from Azerbaijan, I think? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, yeah, so they, he ended up losing 3-3 on criteria, and that evens their series. Snyder beat him 2-1 to at the 2016 World Cup. Albarov won at the 2017 World Cup. And then Snyder put it on him 9-2 at Worlds last year. So, uh, you know, this is a match that may happen again at Worlds. People are saying that Azerbaijan will likely go with Albarov because they really respect international results with their world team selection. 
You know, also news this week that Sajalayev is going 97 for Russian Nationals and most likely Worlds. So, you know, where, where do you stand on Kyle Snyder after an unlikely bronze at this tournament? I'm okay with it. Uh, he, dating back even um, 2016, you know, he took some losses. Uh, or maybe a loss, but either way, he, he he does have losses here and there, so it's nothing to be concerned about. I mean, I have had the opportunity to shoot. I've seen, I've called every one of his NCAA championship finals. I've seen him come back from down against Gwiz, down against Gadisov. You know, every match... When he needs to step up, he steps up when when it really counts. So I don't think, you know, he's putting all his eggs in the baskets for the Yasudogu. But come come World Championships, could you imagine him and Sajalai if they make the finals again? I mean, it, it's going to be, I'm sweating actually thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was definitely <laughs> the match of the tournament led last year's Worlds. And I think if they meet again, it's hard to imagine that it won't be. Yeah, but uh, you talk about Alvarov winning the weight class i mean the run that he went through it was sharif sharifov who was 2012 olympic champion 2016 olympic bronze medalist and then he goes and beats the guy from turkey and then he has snyder so uh, two out of three matches he beats olympic champions uh and you mentioned it. They're going to go with most likely Azerbaijan's going to go with Alvarov at 97 kilograms for the World Championships. So to start it, the, it was him against Sharifov to dictate who was going to have that starting spot. So the pressure that he went through this weekend was just—I mean, it was through the roof—and for him to step up in those situations, it's good to see. I think that's a good transition to heavyweight where Gwizdowski, Nick Gwizdowski, picked up a bronze medal. And, you know, I think domestically with Adam Kuhn, his run, losing to Kyle Snyder in the NCAA final, um, you know, trying to make the freestyle and Greco-Roman world team, there was some maybe some chatter that, you know, he was going to take over the spot at heavyweight. And I think Gwiz came out of Final X and put that to rest. And, uh, you know, I think another good solid performance from a guy who... Maybe because we're in this era of, you know, Dake, Taylor, Burroughs, Snyder, a guy who's maybe not getting enough attention domestically, but who's rounding out and seems to be continually improving as a solid heavyweight. Yeah, and he lost to the Ukrainian. The guy from Ukraine. Excuse me? Yeah, the Ukrainian. Yes. that. But if you remember back to February, uh, the guy from Ukraine, it was the International Ukrainian Tournament. He beat Deno Petriasvili, who was the reigning world champion, at 125 kilos. So if you're thinking, looking at the bronze medal, and who, how did he lose to a guy from Ukraine? Who is this guy? I mean, it's, it's no slouch. The guy just is coming off a gold medal performance uh, in February where he beat the returning world champion. So if you're going to take a loss. I mean, that's a good one to learn from early on in the season. I agree. And I think that, you know, the more experience he gets against these top guys and these European guys, I think it's actually going to help him. I mean, uh, there's some guys in the United States who, when they come out of college, that's their peak. 
and that's where they're going to be at their best. And I think with Gwiz and the way he wrestles and he sort of picks things up and his training environment, I think he's a guy who will be able to learn on the job and benefit from international experience. Right. Years, years to come, we could see him. I'm just curious about him versus Gable Stevenson. How would that match shape out? I know, right? Of all the matches that we got with Stevenson's attempt to make Final X, we never actually ended up getting that match, which is unfortunate. But I, I do think that that's something we'll see down the road, if not once, more times. I hope so. <laughs> all right, so that finishes up with the medalists. Uh, there were four other guys to compete, Jaden Cox, Nashawn Garrett, James Green, Logan Steber. They will all be representing the United States at the World Championships. Unfortunately, all four... Went one and out, failed to make the repassage. I think the most surprising one to not advance was James Green, who's a guy who's been one of the best in the world at 70 kilograms for the last cycle and a half, I think. And uh, I was surprised by that. You know, I mean, it's a tough international tournament, so these things happen. Do you have any takeaways from the rest of these guys? Just, I would say Nishan's new to the scene, uh, so we'll give him a pass. Jaden, I just think that his offense, I mentioned it earlier, that, that laid-back style of international way. Don't, you know, hang on first period, second period, go all out. I think Jaden needs to, from the first whistle, start wrestling because when we see his feet moving and he's moving his hands and feet in and out, he can control the match, but he, he allows other people to do so because he's so relaxed because he knows if he's down by one with short time, he can go get a takedown. Rather than waiting when you're down 1-0, why don't you go get a couple of takedowns and then build that lead? But And also, um, you touched on James Green, so we'll say with Logan Steber coming up from 61 to 65, you know, he has nine months now at 65 kilograms, so this should be, this is really that period where you see a jump from nine to 12 months is where you start to find your way. Uh, Haji Aliyah did it, winning the European Championship, so we saw him bump from 61 to 65 and really find his way. Sieber, if I was him, I would get you know one or two more tournaments under my belt uh, before the World Championships to really get used to that weight because come October, everyone else is going to be ready. It's just how ready is he going to be? Yeah, and I'm curious about how much that weight is affecting him because I do think that his style, the way he gets outstretched and elongated on his on his leg attacks, I think that when he's going up against, you know, bigger guys, either taller guys or just more bulky guys, I think that his style is kind of negatively affected by that. But then again, you know, if he can't make 61, he can't make 61. Yeah, there. I don't think there's... Seeing him make 61, it, it's one of those Nick Simmons deals. When you see Nick Simmons and he's six foot seven making 125, obviously not really six foot seven, but Nick Simmons, you know, ducking his head to get through a doorway and you're making 125. How does he do it? And Steber, he looked sucked out making 61, so there's not much he could do. Just move up and adjust to the weight. And I mean, he, the start of it was. The Ivanya Regan, I remember him wrestling Bekbulatov at the Ivanya Regan, and and you mentioned it. He he gets stretched out, but there's you know there's only so much he could do. He has he has to adjust, but at the same time, it's like you know he's one of those guys where you can 
see him winning it all or go out in the first round, right? He he, he gets stretched out. You mentioned his issues, uh, but he also can put points on the board in a hurry. That's for sure. Always always a guy who's uh, in to have a 10, 10 to 12 match, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I just want to yeah drill down a little bit more on Cox. I think you hit on a lot of it, but I just when I watch him wrestle, it seems like he can get a single leg and drive someone out of bounds at least for the push out point at any time. And yet recently he's been in just low scoring match after low scoring match, even when he's winning, you know, it's even domestically, he's winning matches by one point, two points criteria. You know, is it a thing where it's moving up in weight? Is it just, you know, his current style or is it like a mental thing? Like if you had to guess, what do you think it would be? I would say a combination of all because he recently moved to the Olympic Training Center, so I would say moving away from that Tiger style to more of an international style, and he still, you would think that at this point he would you know, understand the situations that he's placing himself in with these matches because in 2016 we he was he thought he was winning. But he should have been in the Olympic finals. He was under the impression that he was winning. Uh, but he, the excuse that we gave him is he's new to freestyle. He doesn't know the rules. He didn't have a passport for the, you know, the last chance qualifiers to get to the Olympics. Uh, so he's still learning. Well, it's 2018, and it's time for him to really start making leaps and bounds. And is it? What he's learned at the Olympic Training Center, getting away from that Tiger style and that vision of Brian Smith, I, I don't know. I really don't. All right. Well, I think we hit on everything from a United States perspective. I know you're going to be all over the map with UWW. You know, what are you going to be covering next? And do you have any international trips coming up? Um, let's see. Uh, I'm actually covering the European Juniors now, um, and then I don't have any trips until the world championships uh in september in slovakia i've been all over the world so they're giving me a little break for a month or so and then cover some tournaments remote and then get back on the road all right well thank you very much eric for coming on and uh, we'll definitely have to have you on again either before or after worlds all right sounds good thank you for having me i appreciate it all right thanks a lot is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.